Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Hey, we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Been a pretty good week thus far on the College Hardwood. Hoping to stay hot on this Thursday evening as we record. And, of course, it is all trending towards Super Bowl 57 in the desert. Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs. That's what we're jumping on here to talk about. As I said, my name is Greg Frank. We bring on Alex Uplinger, our jack-of-all-trades, at Full Slate, at Full underscore slate underscore pod. He manages that account and follow him on his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. Also shoot me a follow on my personal account at G underscore Frank six. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Alex, what's going on, my man? What's up, buddy? Doing well, man. I'm excited. This should be a, should be a great game. It's It's been a tough one to handicap, admittedly, but I'm really excited to just yeah, watch it. It certainly, it certainly should be a great football game, and I know that we're a gambling podcast, but I think at its core, even if you didn't put a cent on the game, there are certain games that you can just enjoy for the love of the game, and this seems like one of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is one where I'm not even like feeling super stressed about getting a ton of action down, just because the matchup is so good and entertaining. Some of those games you have to, you know. Put yeah, it's, it's not exactly like Pac-12 after dark, Cal versus Oregon State, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, this is going to be something you want to watch regardless. And, you know, when we get to it, get into it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the side, the total, some game props and some novelty props as well, as we'll just kind of briefly sprinkle a little bit on each of the props that we're looking at. Uh, 
I do feel like on this side, part of the reason that makes this so interesting, uh, and you know, we'll just talk about it right now, sitting at one and a half. Really, it's interesting. We haven't seen a ton of line movement on this number. Uh, it's basically been one and a half, two at pretty much every shop with the Eagles as the short chalk. It kind of reminds me a little of the NFC Championship in the sense that the books know if they go to three, they're going to get hammered with uh, dog money at plus the three. And, uh, you know, I, I do think some shots of ultimately in the NFC Championship did get to the Eagles laying three. We're not going to see that here. But I guess what I'm saying is I feel like we're at a point where you have, I think, probably the best roster in the NFL and the Eagles against the best quarterback in the NFL and a generational tight end in Travis Kelsey. And I think that's really it comes down to what you value. Do you want the complete and total depth of the Eagles or do you want the best quarterback in the game right now, the best tight end in the game right now, and an experienced coaching staff in Aaron D. Reed, Eric Bieniemy, Steve Spagnolo, players on Kansas City that have been through this before, unlike the Eagles who don't have many holdovers from their Super Bowl five years ago. I think that's really where the side breaks down in this game. I ultimately am on the side of the X's and O's of tactically Eagles are just better and they haven't looked phased by the moment thus far. So why would that change now? So it's a lean for me to the Eagles, but out of respect for Patrick Mahomes, and we know about the Andy Reid off a of buy stuff, uh, you know, all of that makes me think Kansas City is certainly in with a chance, lean to the Eagles on the side, but probably pass it for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I'm going to ultimately pass the side. I do lean the Eagles. I think it's the better team overall, but Betting against Mahomes as an underdog is not something I'm really interested in doing. He's, he's only been an underdog, you know, nine times his entire career, never in the postseason, which is absolutely insane. But in those nine games, he's 7-1-1 one, one against his spread, 6-3 and three straight up. It's really tough. You broke it down really well. It is, you know, you have the better quarterback, more experienced quarterback, better coach, more experienced coach versus just the better overall roster tend to lean with the better roster, which also has uh, not significantly, but definitely marginally better defense. And the pass rush of the Eagles could just cause some fits the entire day. But, you know, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's really tough to fade him. And you look at it and you see plus money on Patrick Mahomes. Really tough to pass up. I know it's kind of lame to not have a side, but I am on the Eagles. I got a future. I had a little... Five to one future okay. before, so I, it just it feels like if I bet the Chiefs, it's like hedging a five to one ticket, which I don't really want to do. It's kind of lame, so I think I'm just going to root for the Eagles and ride it out. Yeah, I certainly won't argue that. Obviously, the Super Bowl does present some interesting hedging opportunities if you do have a live ticket. But I agree with you. If you think the Eagles are the side in the first place, then uh, no reason to hedge and just kind of let that ticket ride not necessarily put any more down on the Eagles, but um, I agree with the premise overall. And, I, you know, the other thing, too, is to one of the things that kind of goes in Kansas City's favor that I don't necessarily think is going to be a thorn in the Eagles' side is the experience factor. People talk about, and I get it, like Patrick Mahomes, is this will be the third Super Bowl. It's crazy that he's already been to three Super Bowls, won one, lost one. He's never lost before the conference championship in the playoffs. So certainly a seasoned quarterback in these big moments and plenty of other players for Kansas City 
have been a part of the team's great success the last three, four years in particular. But while the Eagles are new to this, I mean, they don't really look phased by any of it. And yeah, there's that narrative out there that the Eagles have had an easy road to get to this point. And to an extent, you could certainly argue it's been easier than other roads. And I'm not going to dispute that. But I don't at the same time, you have to give them credit. Like there's no such thing as a cupcake road to the Super Bowl. They got the number one seed by playing so no, well we in the regular season. We see it all the season. time. I mean, we exactly. see underdogs upset way better teams all the it's time. It's not the, the Eagles' NFL. fault that they ended up getting the Giants. got to play who you play. What did they do? They blew the doors off the Giants in the divisional round, which is what they were supposed to do. And then they, yes, San Francisco, Brock Purdy got hurt. Also, shame on San Francisco for trying to block Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. Paid the price there and ended up being a pretty expensive price with Purdy getting hurt. So, you know, the Eagles outplayed San Francisco, won the game 31-7. Again, when they're winning with significant margin, it's really hard for me to just say easy road. If yeah, some it, it can be true that they can have had this, you know, very right. lucky fortuitous schedule, and they still can be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. Correct. Both can be true. The fact that they have taken care of these opponents by significant margin, particularly the two that they played in the playoffs. So I'm glad that we agree on that. And uh, I guess again, leans to the Eagles on the side. So if you're thirsty for action on the side, both of us certainly lean with the birds, but let's get to the total now where uh, again, we're seeing a number kind of sit in a a pretty important area for totals, 50 and a half, 51. And I I do think that I like the game over the total. And it's a play that I have made for a unit uh, because I look at it this way. I think the Eagles are going to score. And I, I, I think that I got it at over 50. I think that when you look at the way Philadelphia has been able to score in their two playoff games, I understand there have been some turnovers that the Eagles have been able to generate, and they may not be as fortuitous with some of the takeaways in this game. But they scored 38 against the Giants and 31 against San Francisco, and they didn't really need Jalen Hurts to do a ton. And they were able to really run the ball particularly well against the New York Giants. So... Given that Kansas City's run defense is, let's just say, not the best in the NFL, I could see the Eagles having success on the ground again. And, I, you know, I, you know, I'm out here on Radio Row, uh, the outkick injury guy, David Chow, who's always on top of the injury news. I bumped into him and I asked him about both these quarterbacks. And he said, yeah, Hurts is fine with the shoulder. Don't worry about that. He was throwing the ball in that first drive of the game last week so or two weeks ago, and now he's got two more weeks. So he's definitely going to be fine. And, uh, you know, he said he thought Mahomes will be 50% better on the high ankle sprain, but not 100% by the time the game kicks off. So as far as that goes back to my point about the Eagles, I expect them to score. I expect them to score probably in the 30s again, as they did in their previous two playoff games. So then it comes down to Kansas City, and I think – where the side will be decided, the game will be decided, in my opinion, with how much Kansas City can score against the Philly defense. The Eagles have been lights out defensively against New York and San Francisco. Obviously, a whole nother animal now against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and company on offense for Kansas City. And so I just think I already know that the Eagles are going to score. At least I feel pretty confident in that. And if the game comes down to how much Kansas City scores, Rather than sweat the side out, if we do get into a closer high-scoring game, I think going over that number of 51, if you can get it kind of a key number for totals, that would be the smarter investment. I see this game as the winner getting into the 30s. Something like 31-24 gets us over. 
and it may even be more than that. So I, 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 you know, I know it's a little square to play the over in a Super Bowl, but I do believe it's the proper play on the total. Yeah, I definitely don't hate it at all. That's the way I lean in terms of the full game. But I'm going to be going under the first half, 24 and a half points. Like the under, I think teams come out a little more conservative to start, especially Andy Reid. He can really turtle up in some of these big-time situations and go a lot more conservative. I'm really curious to see what Sirianni does. We know he's been hyper-aggressive. You saw that in the San Francisco game. They went for it on that fourth down to Smith really early on in the game. So I'm curious to see that. I just think these defenses are going to have a leg up to start the game. I really like Philly's secondary. And you mentioned the Chiefs run defense not being that solid. I think the Eagles are going to run the ball early and often. A good point. I just, I just so can see this clock up. Exactly. Especially in the first half. I think both are going to want to establish the run. Really keep the better offenses off the field. So I like this under. And that kind of leads me to one of my player props I like. And that's the first score of the game to be a field goal. It was plus 155 when I grabbed it. I just think early on, both super conservative, take the points. You know, if it's a fourth and manageable, I, I could see them getting the kickers involved and just wanting to get on the board first and early. So I like first score to be a field goal. A little correlated kind of play there. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. And I guess I'll get to one of my, uh, you know, uh, while we're on props and I do have an MB- MVP uh, sprinkle that I'm going to mention as well. Um but while we're on props and I, it, it kind of something that kind of, I feel like, and that's the thing with the Super Bowl, there's so many offerings out there. Usually if you just, you know, when we do this thing during the regular season and really during the, all the playoffs before the Super Bowl, for that matter, we're mostly just talking about matchups, injury reports, side total, things like that. But when you look at what the Super Bowl uh, offerings are, if you think about the way the game is going to be played or how you see the game script unfolding, you can usually find a prop or two that align with that game script and it's kind of a way for you to maximize you, you know, if you're confident enough in your, you know, predicted game script, you can find a few more ways to, um, you know, make some coins. So before I get to kind of my action that, uh, you know, aligns with the way I see the game playing out, I'm just, I feel like you probably see that the same way in terms of like, okay, how do I see the side? How do I see the total? And then, Oh, because I see the side this way, or because I see the total this way, I can bet prop X, Y, and Z. Exactly. I mean, there's no shortage of props. You kind of, when you're, you know, breaking down these games, kind of make a little game script up in your head of how you think the game's going to go. And then, yeah, those are obviously the props that you're going to kind of target. Maybe even subconsciously, you're just going to be looking to those because you feel like the game is going to play out in a certain way. So you find yourself gravitating towards those sort of props that are correlated. So with that in mind, as I said, I believe the game comes down to how much Kansas City can score. And if Pat Mahomes and company are able to score in the upper 20s, low 30s, um, and probably low 30s again, because I like the game over the total of 51 at most sports books. Because of that, I believe, and again, the Eagles, I believe, were the best point differential in the first half all season. So if Philly can get out early, then you're looking at Pat Mahomes and company having to throw the ball more. And so that, to me, opens up opportunities to fade the rookie out of Rutgers, Isaiah Pacheco, who has been a you know, calming presence, a, a big play at times waiting to happen. He's a speedster. 
for Kansas City in the backfield. He had a big run in the divisional round against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But there's a couple things here. First off, Jarek McKinnon is in their backfield as the established passing down guy. So, you know, you're not going to see Pacheco on you know, much at all in passing down situations. And early in the week, we heard about the return of, well, most likely the return of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to the Kansas City backfield as he was activated from injured reserve, uh, I believe, on Monday. So he's now you're now you're chewing into Pacheco's carries by having Edwards-Hilaire active. And Pacheco, I believe it was only 26 rushing yards on 11 carries last year in the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati. And that's without Hilaire there. So when I saw that I could get Pacheco at under 11 and a half carries and under 49 and a half rushing yards. That felt like those were two bets I wanted to make because again, Edward Hilaire coming back. I believe Kansas city is going to have to throw and going to have to score probably playing from behind for at least the first half of the game. And you know, in the second half, things are a little more unscripted. They're going to just probably trust Mahomes to make some plays naturally anyway, which would phase Pacheco out of the game to begin with. So I believe both those props are definitely uh, worth, in, you know, investable options. If you want to go under his carries or under his yards, I think both make sense uh, because, and, and again, I kind of looked at both the under carries is kind of a hedge on the under yards in the event that he does spring one long carry. I just don't see and goes over his yards. I just don't see him being enough of the Kansas City game plan on offense uh, in order for him to have at least 12 carries. So under 11 and a half carries, under 49 and a half rushing yards for me on Isaiah Pacheco. Um, any player props for you? I know you kind of mentioned a game prop there with the first score field goal. You know, any thoughts on kind of what I just laid out there on Pacheco? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great angle. Another point to bring up is McKinnon is really they're more experienced pass blocking running back over Pacheco, and with that Eagles pass rush. They're going to be yeah, really like, are they really going to trust a rookie running back in the Super Bowl? Exactly. Trying to trying to protect Mahomes, who is a little hobbled still. Now, nah, I think McKinnon's going to get way more opportunities than Pacheco. I think that's a sharp one. And I'm also going to be playing under. I like Quez Watkins under one point five receptions. I initially looked at his yards, but it was so low that, you know, one catch he could do that. He's kind of the deep threat guy, but. Since uh, Dallas Goddard came back, he's just been he's been pretty non-existent. He's yeah. only gone over this number two of the last seven games. I just don't see Watkins being in the script much at all. Maybe he runs a, a deep pattern or two. I, I mean, I could see him getting maybe one target, potentially a reception, but I just don't see any world that he gets to. They have way too many weapons to be, you know, wasting reps on on Quez Watkins, despite being you know a solid deep threat, but. I just don't see it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think that that you laid it out well. And when you, I mentioned it earlier, when you look at how successful Philadelphia has been running the football in playoff games, particularly against New York, but also getting ahead against San Francisco and running the ball a lot there, that already diminishes the, you know, amount of available targets for Philly pass catchers. You talked about Goddard coming back late in the regular season and obviously good now to go with Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown, obviously, before it would be Quez Watkins, because A.J. Brown really hasn't been that 
integral into the offensive game plan for Philly in the two playoff games that it won. And obviously when they had big leads, they didn't necessarily need them. That was maybe the one negative story that came out from the Eagles after the Giants win was, oh, he was kind of running his mouth and yapping on the sideline. And he had to kind of fight against some of the diva perception that emerged on him. So, uh, you know, it, it all speaks to Quez being a little less involved. So I definitely agree with it. What you said under one and a half receptions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think at that number, it's good, too, because you could certainly see a long play for him. That is his trick play. It's like the Quez Watkins play. And maybe he even scores on it. And you still are under that one in the hook. Exactly. That's why I kind of stayed off the yards. I don't think the volume is there, but he could obviously have, you know, one special play baked into the game script. But yeah, I don't think the volume will be there. Do you have any Uh, sort of novelty props as well? Well, before we get to the novelties, I just want to throw around some MVP sprinkles because I think this is one of the more enjoyable things about betting the Super Bowl. And again, we'll talk on the novelties, but when we do this all year and, you know, we we don't talk about, you know, handicapping games to ultimately at close with, so what color is the Gatorade going to be when the coach gets drenched? Like, I think it's fun to take advantage of, some of the other game offerings that are out there, serious bets. And the Super Bowl MVP market is one that you can obviously hit for a big cash every now and again. We know that it is still, I looked this up, it's still primarily a quarterback award. 31 out of 57, or excuse me, out of 56 previous Super Bowl MVPs have been quarterbacks. Um, And I I believe, was it Cup last year, though? Or, you know, there was discussion as to if it should have been Cup or Aaron Donald. I think it was Stafford, right? Yeah, it was Cup. I think he was six to one. So not even that. Not even that appetizing. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to, you know, I think this is fun to do. I mean, I I remember when Kansas City won a few years ago against San Francisco. I think a lot of people, rightfully so, thought Damian Williams would have been a worthy MVP. I think he had two touchdowns in that game, um, and you know, it still went to Mahomes. So understand that you could be, you could have one of these tickets that you believe is live into the fourth quarter and maybe get hosed out of it. It is a quarterback award. Uh, but having said that, uh, I, I just wanted to mix in a couple of sprinkles uh, for these. Well, actually, one that I took, which I actually think has a, sh- a chance at. Uh, and that's Hassan Reddick. At, uh, you can get him. I got him at 32 to 1. Most shops are offering him between 30 and 40 to 1. And you look at how dominant he has been. He is one and a half sacks away from becoming the Eagles' all-time postseason sacks leader and that would have been in one playoffs so you know that's really impressive already what he's done and with four sacks in the two games that the eagles have won and if you again let's go back to the the, we keep coming back to what game script do you envision and how can you kind of find some bets in addition to the traditional offerings with the super bowl and if we look at philly doing a similar type of game to san francisco and new york meaning they get ahead they run the ball well, and they take it from there. Uh, that would allow the Eagles' pass rush to pin their ears back and really get after Patrick Mahomes, who we know is hampered. And we know is going to have two weeks, but still probably not 100%. So if the Eagles can get out here, and this is a historic pass rush, first time in the Super Bowl era that you had four defenders with double-digit sack totals. So they can get ahead. If you look at the way the last few games have went, Jalen Hurts hasn't been asked to do a ton because they've been ahead. 
And I don't think that any of the other offensive players did enough to, you know, if there was an NFC championship MVP, it would have been Hassan Reddick. And, you know, I'll get to another guy and I'm like, I'll just say it like Kenneth Gainwell was really good against the New York Giants. And I will say you should not be investing in Miles Sanders because his numbers are inflated. You can get Gainwell anytime touchdown around four to one. You can get his Super Bowl MVP if you really wanted to get weird at like 150 to one. He's been the better back. And we're talking about a team that's been playing from ahead and that's been running the ball a lot. So I definitely don't hate a little a few shekels on Kenneth Gainwell. Reddick is my investable option here in the Super Bowl MVP market for the Eagles. And I'll say one more name, and that's Brandon Graham, who is a veteran, one, another one of those edge defenders that tallied double-digit sack totals for the Eagles this year and was a notable snub from the comeback player of the year finalists. He's in his mid-30s. There's already some talk about this maybe being the final game for Brandon Graham as an Eagle. Was drafted in 2010 in the first round. They traded up to select him over Earl Thomas, who was you know, a safety, that a position of need for the Eagles. It drew a lot of flack for that. And Brandon Graham has been an excellent Philadelphia Eagle and a regular under four different coaching staffs. So if this is it for him, I think you can get him at a pretty lengthy price as well. Uh, I think I saw 80 to one. So again, Reddick's my favorite one there, but let's remember this. Voters are writers, writers that pick this award. They write stories. They might like to write a story about Brandon Graham on the way out winning Super Bowl MVP in his final game as an Eagle. Hassan Reddick is from Camden, just on the other side of the bridge in South Jersey, went to Temple, was a walk-on, now comes back in his first season with the Eagles. People are talking about him as the best free agent signing in Eagles history. That would be a story that writers would like to write. So that's kind of how I like to draw this up. You know, you and I both have journalism degrees. Think about it that way. What would writers like to write in terms of the Super Bowl MVP? If the door is ajar for a non-quarterback to win, those would be my three from the Eagles Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, who, and I have wagered on Reddick. I'll probably throw a little bit on Graham and uh, Gainwell if I can find them as well at my book, but uh, certainly Graham and Reddick. Uh, so just some Super Bowl MVP sprinkles I wanted to get in there because I think the Eagles win the game. So those are three that I don't hate. I love it. I'm with you. Uh, the only one I played so far is actually Reddick, but he kind of talked me into that Brandon Graham narrative and the precedent is there we saw von miller do it not too long ago i actually had him what did von do in that game they shut down cam newton to the point where you had to give it to a defender that's what i could kind of see here exactly you see a bunch of sacks maybe a turnover maybe even a defensive touchdown the script is definitely there especially with how hertz has been playing if he has a game like he did against the niners it has to go to the defender or it has to go to a running back. You can't possibly give it to the quarterback when, you know, those two positions are carrying the team. I love Reddick. I love it at 30 to 1. I'm all about those longer shots. Also sprinkle a little on McKinnon, although I don't think that really has a realistic chance. But, you know, at 50 to 1, why not throw a little $10 here or there? I just like it. It's one of those type of, like, James White. You get, you know, two rushing touchdowns or – two receiving touchdowns you know ideally you'd have a rushing touchdown and maybe a receiving touchdown to take a little bit of that away from Mahomes but I think if it's the Chiefs it's going to be Mahomes I feel a lot more comfortable taking longer shots on the Eagles side yeah I I would agree with that in terms of longer shots on the Eagles side I mean you mentioned cup at six to one 
I could see a path here for Kelsey if the Chiefs win a lower scoring game and most of what we're saying about Philly's defense comes to fruition against Mahomes, but Kansas City's defense plays well enough to keep him in the game and Kelsey has some big catches. Like I could see a path for him. If you wanted to argue maybe a Chris Jones or a Frank Clark, like they're good enough players where maybe they can put it together, but you're right. It just feels like the there's more paths to victory for the Eagles. And because of the fact that there's more paths, that means there's more investable options in the Super Bowl MVP market for the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Mahomes just has that way more star appeal currently in his career. That Which, again, when you're talking about stories that writers want to pen, right. this again, guy's got this two Super Bowls a, already. Like, we got to give him the MVP again. Right. There's not, like, an exact formula for MVP. It's all very subjective. Generally, go quarterbacks because, you know, they're the leader of the teams. But, yeah, I, I think the story angle is, is a great point, and Reddick has a better story than most. All righty, let's wrap up. You got any fun novelties here? Have you done your research on the national anthem? You know, we always, that's always a fun inside intel there. No, no, unfortunately not. It's actually been very split. I was looking at a graphic earlier and over the last like 20 some years, it's been really split amongst all the available colors. I do know in terms of Gatorade that the Chiefs have done orange and the Eagles have been doing yellow. They did yellow in the NFC Championship. Obviously, that's why it's the favorite. So not quite enough angle there for me. I did play opening kickoff to be returned. So it's kind of worded as, you know, touchback, yes or no. I took no. It's plus money. It was like plus 150. I think it's down to plus 130 now. Just 18 in the last 20. That makes sense because – wouldn't you think like a kick returner would say, this is going to be my Super Bowl moment. I'm going to run the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Right. Depending who it is, that might be, you know, that's one of their few touches of the entire game. I like that. And then, you know, last year there was Pat McAfee was big time, like on all of his platforms saying how the first kickoff, you know, the ball is like a commemorative ball. So it's brand new. They take it right out goes to Canton after, so it's hard as a fucking rock. It's tough to kick. I know Butker in his Super Bowl did not, you know, kick it through the end zone. It wasn't a touchback. It was returned. But both both kickers this season have been really good. I know Butker produces almost 65% of his kicks are touchbacks, and then Elliott is almost 66%. But, you know, at plus money, why not? It's going to be like the first bet of the – of the day, pretty much, unless you're going <laughs> Anthem or uh, Coin Toss, which I'm actually not going Coin Toss. I did. Not going Coin Toss, okay. No, Any that's kind of where I draw. That's where I draw. I draw a line at Coin Toss. <clears throat> I, did, I did sprinkle a couple exact score things. I don't really, you know, have any sort of confidence in them. It just felt like a couple good, like, 27-20s, 27-24s of those, and the odds are absolutely insane, so it's worth, like, throwing a $5 bill on. All right. Well, you know, it's funny hearing you talk about Pat McAfee mentioning how hard the ball is when they kicked the ball off to start the game in the Super Bowl. That reminds me of something I talk myself into every year in college basketball. I, I usually take the first half unders in the final four, and I don't know if – like this is mostly educated guessing on my part. I've never yeah, the, heard this the gyms, from somebody. Like the big gym. Correct. They they play in a big gym. They they play at a football stadium, which means they install the 
hoops. You know, there's not normally basketball hoops in these gyms. Right, like all the so, sight lines are fucked up. Sight lines are fucked, and also the rims maybe are not as friendly because they're not broken in by having balls hit them all the time. And, you know, they're, you know, I, I, it's a theory of mine that if it's a brand new hoop, I the like rims are a little harder, the ball's going to bounce off a little bit. You're not going to get those members rolls. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm with you. I, I definitely for two months from now, when we're at the first weekend of April and it's final four time in Houston at NRG stadium. So Anyway, it's been fun, man, all season, and I know uh, hopefully we can do some college hoops together as uh, that takes center stage uh, after this game. But uh, let's enjoy this Super Bowl. I'll try and enjoy it as best I can as an Eagles fan, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, good luck. It's a lot of fun, man. Hopefully it's just a close competitive game. I'll be rooting for uh, your birds and my future <laughs> ticket, of course. Sounds good, brother. He's out. Go birds. At Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod. I'm Greg Frank at G underscore Frank six at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Everyone enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, the final game of the NFL season. Please play responsibly and go birds.